What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we start off by breaking down and reacting to the news that Rob Gronkowski has been traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be reunited with Tom Brady. Next, Tua or Herbert? Who should be the second quarterback off the board? Plus, we give our picks for most likely to be a bust and most slept on players as we approach Thursday's NFL Draft. Finally, we debate who has the best uniforms in the NFL after six teams have gotten brand new designs. All that and much more coming your way right now. What's going on, guys? Uh, it's been uh, crazy. I don't know, last twenty four hours, forty eight hours. We've had a uh, we've had some news right before the draft's about to start. So I, I think the biggest breaking news just happened with Gronk just being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. That that was that, how crazy was that? Like that came, mean, that cut that came out of left field. It, it did right, but so I wrote an article. I guess like late last week about the possibility of this happening. There were some rumblings happening uh, between Gronk's camp and maybe the Buccaneers had some interest, um, but they weren't sure how it was going to work out because obviously they still have O.J. Howard. They <laughs> still have Cameron Brait. I mean, like, obviously there's Gronk and yeah. then everyone Everybody else, else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before, you know, you, you can do anything, you got to kind of have an idea of, like, what's going to happen with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Um, is Gronk going to be there not only to play but to mentor the two of them? That's a lot of star power at tight end, and you could possibly trade him uh, for some draft capital, maybe a different type of player on on, on the team. You know, um, It all depends on what Bruce Arians and company are trying to do in Tampa Bay, but I think this was – I mean, I don't know about you, but I think this might solidify them to be – that team, I think, I think they are the juggernaut of the NFL. I mean, I even considered them like the biggest, the best team before this because you still had, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as your top two wide receivers, and then OJ Howard and Cameron Bray as two stud tight ends that are gonna thrive with Tom Brady. We all know how he loves his tight ends. OJ, uh, James Winston really didn't do them any favors. I know, you know, OJ Howard has kind of some uh, some drop issues, but. I know Tom Brady could work with him and fix those issues. Now you add Gronk into the mix. Their chemistry is like no other. You know, Gronk had what seventy something touchdowns with the Patriots. Um, you know, he's he's a top three tight end all time. It's just unreal the, the amount of star power they have on that offense, and they have a uh, you know a number a fourteenth overall pick in two days. They can go get an offensive tackle to shore up that offensive line. They can go get a running back because they have um, Rashad Jones right now. They they could use somebody else. Uh, they could go get a defensive weapon, but they don't even need much. They need pretty much def- uh, corners or safeties. Um, so that they have pretty much uh, uh, one of the best teams ever, honestly, on paper at least. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it plays out on the field. But right now. On paper, I'd say this is the best team ever put together. Yeah, I mean, I I remember, was it back in 2011 or 2012 when we thought the same thing about the Eagles after they yep. signed Namdi Asamoah and, they, <laughs> you know, they had Chip Kelly running the show. And obviously that turned out to be a, a hell show for everyone. But honestly, like, when you take a look at the way this team is put together – you know, you have the type, you have the quarterback that Bruce Arians wanted. Now that quarterback has his probably all-time favorite weapon for the middle of the field. And you also have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and, you know, just insane talent all around you. Uh, obviously, they're in a very tough division as well. So, I mean, it's not a cakewalk. They still are going to have to play at their best. Gronk is still going to have to stay healthy. Brady's going to have to continue to to play at the level that we know he's capable of. Um, and that defense is still going to have to show out. They showed out last year. They have to do it again if they want to get to where they want to go. Because if they don't, the offense can only bring them so far, as we've seen. So, I this this is crazy news, and I know Patriots fans around are 
not happy, to say the least. Well, um, uh, I mean... Most, I, I will say most Patriots fans are just not happy in general. You lost yeah, Brady. Yeah, for, for the most part, yeah. You lost Brady after 20 years. You lost Gronk. I mean, he's been retired, but now, like, now he's coming back to play with Brady in a non-Belichick team. It just it kind of feels like a shot at at the fan at the fandom a little bit, um, you know. The we're left with, and this isn't a bad thing. We're left with Julian Edelman uh, from like you know what what we know of the football team. So it it's just kind of tough. I feel like uh, Patriots fans think that feel like their their team is kind of like a shell of what it was. You know, uh, maybe a little hollow inside. But you know, th- this is the the beginning of a new generation for, for the Patriots. I, I think, uh, for them, I think that there's no, there's no better time than to start rebu- rebuilding, retooling. Uh, they brought a lot of their defensive veterans back. They're, they're training young guys. They're working with young guys. Um, I, there's a lot that Bill Belichick has to do in the next few years to get this team right. Yeah. And, you know, just to bring this back to Gronk, kind of moving on from Gronk, at least getting rid of his rights, uh, moving on from those rights, uh, does bring us into the next chapter. We we let go of all those people that, I mean, besides, I guess Edelman is the only really one left over on the offensive side of the ball that has true connections to Tom Brady. Um, there's a, still a chance he might be moved uh, at some point. You know, he said he wants to finish his career in New England, but you don't know what Bill Belichick is thinking ever. So, uh, you and he'll he'll take a good deal when he sees it. So there, there's some movement there, but you know, moving on from Gronk, this is their one thing I want to touch upon is they are moving on from his rights, and he he just took his physical, but he still has to agree to play football again. Just because they're trading him doesn't mean he has to play. And so there, what if he decides that you know I I still don't want to come back to football. I want to stay retired. Then the they've lost out on a fourth round draft pick. And yeah. they they don't have they don't have Gronk. It's just a hefty price to pay with not with no guarantees. I I feel like they had to have had a conversation whether it was Brady and Gronk or Arians and Gronk and and them basically saying like, listen, we will do this. We'll make this trade happen. We don't we don't we'll do whatever it takes. But we need a guarantee that you're you want to come back and you're willing to play football for the whole season as long as you're healthy. Yeah, um, and I mean, and now this means Gronk is now removing himself from everything that he's he's built over the last year with Fox, with the WWE, with all of the sponsorships he's had. You know, he he has to now go and focus on football. So, is that something he really wants to do? Give up everything that he he's put in a lot of work. He has stayed very active in the community over the last year and put himself out there. So I, I don't know if that's something that is truly on his mind. He may have just agreed to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing for you. I'm letting you trade my rights. I have no issues with that. A few years ago when he, the bill wanted to trade him to the, to the lions, he said, absolutely not. I'd rather retire than play for a different team. And, but now it seems that now that he's retired, he, he doesn't have an issue with him, the, the Patriots trading his rights. Maybe that's yeah. it to, in part due to the fact that he's he doesn't want to play another season and he's just happy to give the Patriots a free draft pick, or you know maybe he he looks at it as if it's an easy opportunity of getting another ring and getting another ten million dollars. Yeah, I think that that's I don't know if ten million dollars is what it'll take for a year. Well, that's that that's what his contract has still on it. Right, they can restructure. I, I mean, don't think they will. They still have plenty of money. Well, I mean, what happens from here is he still needs to pass his physical. Obviously, one source told Adam Schefter that they believe that he passed with flying colors, which I would assume is the case. He's He's been relatively quiet uh, physically, you know, for the last year. Um, I mean, he lost that 20, 25 pounds. He's, he's a lean guy. He's back to his rookie weight. So, right, which is when he had his most success, 2010, 2011. But it's not, yeah, range. and it's not even like the Buccaneers need a run blocker, right? Cameron Bray is a very big guy. O.J. Howard, again, big guy. So they, they can Those help in the run. tight end sets are going to be absurd if they keep all three on the roster. Because right. imagine, and, imagine trying to account for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, one running back, and O.J. Howard. 
good luck. I mean, yeah. who, do, who do you let go at that point? Because you don't know if they're going to run or if they're going to pass because they have two massive run blockers and four massive pass catchers at that yeah. point. It's just absurd. Or you can, you can have uh, your front five with uh, O.J. Howard, Gronk, and, uh, and O.J. Howard down with their hands in the dirt and just <laughs> run an old-school-style offense where you just run the ball down their throat. Go get a big guy like Jonathan Taylor. He'll, he'll hurt you. <laughs> and, and you have three tight ends right there to help block for him who can get downfield quickly? That's crazy. The, the, what, they are, what the possibilities for them are are endless. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with all of these weapons. Um, yeah. So I am too, honestly. I, I think the, the Bucks. This is the thing, right? They are set up for success. And anything short of a Super Bowl is complete failure at this point. So they, they've kind of set the bar high for themselves uh, to a point where they have to perform. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel Bruce Arians, he, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's been around a long time. He, what he did with the Colts stepping up for Chuck Pagano when he was out right away, they, they were in the playoffs. They were, I believe they made it to the AFC Championship game that season. Um, we're pretty close. And then he went to Arizona, had success there, and then you know now he's already had a uh, been down there a year. He's kept a, retained a lot of the same players, so they're in that system for a year. Then you have Todd Bowles, who's also been there for a year. Great defensive mind, had so much success in Arizona. You know he he he's a former head coach himself, so he know he he's another great coach who's who's going to do his job. They're all they all are great at what they do, and I think if everybody is able to perform at their best. And I think they will with the amount of talent they have. There should be no issues there. They've already said they're not bringing back AB because they don't want that headache. They don't seem to have any other players that are, are drama Queens that, that are going to be all about themselves. You know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're pretty quiet guys. They don't, they don't really speak out that much. If at all. Could make uh, and, a play for Julian Edelman. Really bring the cast back together. Well, that's what that's what I was mentioning before. You know, if anybody's gonna go trade for Edelman, it's gonna be the Buccaneers. Tom's gonna be like, I want my guy. We're we're making a playoff push. I want my guy. Yeah. And and that's the only place that Edelman would probably be okay with going to. I talked about this earlier, uh, off off camera, but uh, I think another possibility for Edelman, if he not not that he, we think he's gonna get moved, but if he does. San Francisco, I mean, they're trying to move on from some key players, and they want to gain some veteran leadership, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo had a really good rapport with him. That might be somebody that they target. Uh, he's a hometown guy. He'd be very close to his family. Um, if he can't play for Bill Belichick and he can't play with Tom Brady, I think the the only other move for him at that point would be uh, San Francisco, the, the team that he grew up rooting for and you know, he was close by to most of his life. Yeah, I mean, they, that would kind of replace Emmanuel Sanders and what he did over there. Um, different styles of play, but very, they, they both have solid hands, um, able to run uh, in the middle of the field and create separation that way. So that, that, would, that would make a lot of sense. You know, there, maybe there are more than just the Bucks that are willing to trade for Edelman or um, teams that he'd be willing to go to. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, this whole situation just got a lot more interesting, especially with the draft, you know, right, and, right uh, here. Yeah. Like it's Tuesday, <laughs> right. And the draft starts on <laughs> exactly. Thursday. Things are about to get wild. I think this is going to be one of the craziest drafts that we've seen in a while. Teams trying to move up, tr teams trying to move back, uh, players going to get moved and we're all doing it uh, you know, remotely. remotely. So it's going yeah. to cause a lot of issues uh, trying to get picks in on time, trying to get trades processed and, and done on time. Roger Goodell's got a lot on his hands. Um, hey, he gets paid the big bucks for a reason. So this is a, a thing he's going to have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, that's why they were doing their mock draft, their practice draft yesterday, trying to work out the kinks of, you know, bandwidth, trying to make sure everybody's able to connect, going just going through the process. You heard that they had issues with the first pick, right? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first pick. Yeah, right off the uh, bat. <laughs> just, just like, uh, 
and then can't make the pick. It's like, I think he said Joe Burrow. Yeah. No, no, no. I think he said Justin Herbert, number one overall. <laughs> um, Jordan Love. Hey, who knows, man? I there's I think it was Ian Rappaport who said uh, a lot of GMs are saying uh, what people are projecting in their mock drafts is completely false. So who knows what's going to happen if 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 everybody's that off about it? Anything anything can happen. We've seen it before. I mean, last year Cleveland Farrell going four overall when he was supposed to go in the twenties or teens. Yeah, you know, any who knows what crazy picks. People are going to, you know, pick. Uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of being talked about right now, though, is um, the possibility that Justin Herbert gets taken over Tua. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to me because Tua, like the whole thing was tank for Tua. You know, the start of last season, everybody was like Tua is the number one pick and then Joe Burrow came onto the scene and, and did what he did at LSU and obviously like that that's great um but to a sh- like he got hurt and he can come back he's shown that he's able to come back he's had the doctors come out and say he's going to be just fine I think well, that- I think I think a lot of the the issues that people are keep bringing up are that that knee and how he might re-injure it because the, the hip, I'm sorry. <laughs> the hip. Yeah, um, who's the, the former Ravens tight end, Dennis Pitta, who yeah. who suffered the same injury. It happened to three him, times. I think, three times. Three times, yeah. To him three times. But it's kind of like, yeah, it's like any other dislocation. If you dislocate something once, you're more prone to dislocate it again. Yeah, but the other problem is that Dennis Pitta was taking massive hits in the middle of the field as a tight end. Tua Tagovailoa is a mobile quarterback who is very smart and knows how to throw the football away instead of taking a sack. Right, but all it takes obviously is... he's going to get hit. But at the same time, like he, like if if you don't want to get hurt, if you want like there's there is a risk reward, right? Tua is going to play very well for a team. Are you willing to take the risk that he may get injured again? I th- I think most teams right now, they they should take him over Justin Herbert. Is he? I I think Tua's a better throw of the football than Justin Herbert, but I think they both have enough physical attributes in the run game to to be pretty similar. I I think, and I think Tua's probably a little bit smarter, but if you're talking about durability. Justin Herbert doesn't offer those same issues. He he's somebody you can rely on. He's somebody that you can trust. And I think at the end of the day, if if you're thinking, you know, this is week 16, week 17, even week 18 if we add another, you know, game to the regular season, you know, is my quarterback going to be there? Is he going to be healthy? Am I going to get 100% out of him? Where's his mind at? You know, we haven't seen to uh we saw him in the last couple games of the season last year with Alabama, uh, you know, when he came, I think came back for the bowl game, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we, we don't really understand where his mind is at after the injury. Like Sony Michelle, when he, he came back after a torn ACL, his second torn ACL, and last year his mindset was completely all over the place. He was scared to run and hit holes. He wasn't the same player. He wasn't producing the same way he did be, uh, before the injury. And so... I think if you look at it in, in Tua's aspect, po- he's possibly not going to be the same player. He might be worried that someone's coming from behind or going to hit him low and might throw an errant pass that's going to go for an interception. I know he's working with Jordan Palmer right now, and, and Jordan you know, is going to talk highly about everybody, um, but it seems that you know he he's doing fine. I just... You don't know where they're going to be at until they're on the field, until they're in that situation, what it's going to be like. And I, I, I think at, at what point is the pick too high that you have to go with the safer pick? My, my concern is that Herbert isn't the safer pick, right? Maybe physically, right, as you just laid out for us. But I think talent-wise, they're like you're getting uh, – somebody who struggles throwing the football at the quarterback level. Like people don't understand that like Justin Herbert 
is more known for his mobility and his abate his ability to s escape the po pocket and like kind of make secondary type plays but when the, he has a clean pocket he, like he struggles hitting open targets and like hitting somebody down the sideline and close went close closing windows uh for receivers he he really struggles putting the ball on point he he tries to aim the ball and if you go back to our mock draft and what you know we both wrote uh on the website about our mock drafts you'll see that there's a lot of issues that justin herbert uh brings to the table when it comes to throwing the football and that's not somebody i'm willing to take at the beginning of uh of the draft uh i'd rather go with somebody who may may or may not ever get hurt again like there's a there's a very good chance that Tua never dislocates his hip again and he's perfectly fine his entire career I mean again with football you're either going to say that the risk reward is good enough that you're gonna you know you're gonna take the uh you know the the better thrower of the football or if you're going to take the safer pick who is more of a project yeah, I, you know, Justin Herbert, I think he's working with Jordan Palmer. He's another one of those guys. I He's going to work with, uh, you know, quarterbacks coach. He's going to work with an offensive coordinator. I think you can fix those, you know, issues, throwing in, in tight spaces uh, and making the right throws. He'll, he might even have a quarterback, a veteran quarterback in the, in the room with him going through film that's going to help him. And, and teach him the proper way of handling certain situations. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I, I, I believe that Herbert might be the safer choice. And, you know, I, it's possible that the Miami it, it thinks the same way. You know, we really don't know where their mindset is at right now. They, they could go either way, but what, whatever they choose they're not really not going to, you know, have, they're not going to choose a bad, a bad quarterback. They're, they're going to have a franchise quarterback in either one. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, these teams have done extensive homework and they're privy to information that us as fans are not privy to like, you know, health records and that sort of information. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, which is obviously kept secret for a reason. It's a protection of privacy. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's uh I think the teams have a better understanding right now. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see things kind of play out the way we think that Tua is going to go ahead of Herbert. I just uh, I yeah. don't see, you know, there's so much hype around Tua and there has been for a couple years now. Justin Herbert came onto the scene and like he was good, but he wasn't great. And I just can't yeah. imagine that. You know the best, the best predictor of future is past, mm -hmm. and the past has shown us that Herbert is solid and he, he's a he's a serviceable starter. Tua has the innate ability to really just become a playmaker for your team, and I, I think if you're going to select a quarterback, if I'm the GM, I'm going to take the guy with the higher upside at that point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, either way, we both feel that Herbert and Tua are two of the best quarterbacks in the draft. They're they're gonna go top six pretty much. Um, but you know, I want to you know think about who in the first round do you think is gonna be the biggest draft bust? Because there's one at least one every year. Yeah, a and it's it's with all the talent. This is arguably the best draft ever. The the you know the the talent we've seen at the college, collegiate level has shown that we're about to get a huge influx of great talent. But which one do you think is going to be the worst out of the bunch? Which one do you think is going to be that bust? So, I mean, we've answered this question for people on Twitter already. Right, yeah. This um, is... I, I want to stick with the same answer. I think Yater Gross Matos, the defensive end out of Penn State, is honestly, he shows me very uh, concerning traits about his play. Um, I just feel like he relies so much on his raw ability to overpower somebody and utilize like his natural strength that he doesn't have any technique whatsoever. I mean, 
for somebody like that, that's somebody you find in the middle of the draft, and they're talking about him as a first-round pick. I could understand a fourth or a fifth-round pick being spent on somebody like that. Not in the first round. I, I just can't imagine somebody like that being being taken and being trusted to be your you know, uh, premier pass rusher for, for your defense. I, I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think that there needs to be, um, a lot of time spent with gross Matos for him to live up to the potential that he has. And I, I, we both had the same pro comparison on our mock drafts about him being Mm -hmm. Ezekiel Anza. And we saw it. I mean, Ezekiel Anza had some really good years in, in Detroit. And then ever since he's fallen off and, I, you know, he's just kind of floating around out there right now. You know, he needs a lot of help, and he never got it. And I think if Gross Matos goes to a team that is just going to rely on him to, to output numbers, uh, he's going to falter. If they're willing to take him in the first round and use him as a project and develop him, then he's going to flourish. But I, if you're taken in the first round, it's highly doubtful that you're going to, you know, uh, be a project player and they're going to just rely on you to, to actually get the job done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said, we both agree that your Turgos Matos is, is probably going to be one of those guys that doesn't live up to the hype. He's not going to be worth a first round pick when we look back on this, but someone else that I know you're, you love a lot and I am very skeptical of who I think could be a, a bust is Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson, to me, when I watch his college tape, right in the heart. <laughs> right in the heart. when I watch Justin Jefferson, he lacks separation. He, he has good hands, but I don't know if he'll be able to handle himself in double coverage running over the middle because that's what's the position he'll be in. I compare him to Emmanuel Sanders. I think they're very similar, but I don't know if he is Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know if he'll be able to do that. And if he takes, you know, I don't know how he'll be able to handle NFL hits over the middle of the fields, like, like Emmanuel Sanders, Julian Edelman, these types of guys, if he'll be able to consistently get a uh, hold on to his passes, he, it seems like he'll go somewhere to like Philly or um, Denver, somewhere like that. But if he's going to those places, those are you know cold weather places. He's he's got to he's this isn't Louisiana anymore. You know he he's got to be able to handle the the environment handle the big hits handle you know everything that's throwing at him it's just i don't know if he's ready to take that next step if everything that he showed at the collegiate level is going to translate it just it it's still you know i think kind of raw i don't think i don't i don't see him as high as people put him just because he had i believe 117 catches last season I don't see that translating to the NFL. I don't think that he'll have that production, especially since he won't, wherever he goes, he's not going to be a number one wide receiver. If he goes to Philly, he's behind Alshon and Deshaun. If he goes to Denver, he's behind Cortland Sutton. I just, he doesn't need, that's the thing. So I, I don't think he needs to be a number one receiver. I think he, I think, and he wasn't at LSU either. But, he but he, can, he, th- can he thrive in the, the slot? Can he yeah, thrive in the yeah, slot? I believe he can, and the tape has shown that he can. Like that's his his that's his favorite uh, spot to be in is the slot. I think he he doesn't mind going over the middle. He has the speed to get away from safeties, and he has the uh, the footwork to get away from corners. I he can he can take the big hits. He he has been very durable throughout his entire career. There's not. I don't understand how there can be a question about his durability when he's never even given you a cause for concern at at that point. He's not he hasn't missed games. He was a 3-year starter for for LSU, a huge school in the in the uh in college sports. Um I I just I I think you're I'm not, trying I'm to, not questioning I'm not questioning his durability. I'm just questioning whether his game at the collegiate level is going to translate because he was surrounded by how many players that are going to go in the first round. At, I understand at that, LSU. but you're talking about NFL caliber players. That's what he was surrounded by, NFL caliber players. Right, so but if he's in the NFL, I think he's going to thrive even more. But what do you Again, think that the, do- best, the best no, predictor no. for what you're going to do is what what you've already done, and he has shown us that he can get it done. 
That's why I'm saying I don't understand where the questions come from because to me, he looks like somebody who can go out there and just fly. He's not going to be a number one receiver. He doesn't need to be a number one receiver. Don't try to be something you're not. He is not Jerry Judy. He is not uh, C.D. Lamb. That's why he's not at the top of the draft. I just I can't see that you know he, he can't be a productive receiver getting 80 to 100 catches and being the underneath to mid-range guy for any offense that he's a part of. I just don't, I, I don't think I uh, the way I've seen his play what I was alluding to before is he was surrounded by NFL talent on that LSU offense which meant the defense which were not you know the best were still keeping up with him and had to handle everybody else on that offense as well. So if he's not going up against the best players um, in, in college football and they're keeping up with him, what can people at the NFL level do? They're going to smother him. So how's he going to handle I the disagree. ball? How's he going to handle tight catches like that in double coverage, especially over the middle where you have fast li- linebackers humming down at you? Is he going to be able to take these hits and hold on? Is he going to be able to you know, go up there and get it or, you know, put himself in these situations that he wasn't used to at LSU. Yeah. I I just don't think that it's going to, it's going to translate. I just, I don't see, I don't see the same thing that you're seeing. I, I see a lot more potential. I see his ability to truly be a game breaker for a team. Um, like, you know, he, what he provides is stability in the middle of the field and a constant resource for a quarterback to throw to throw to when he needs to get rid of the ball quickly. That's what I see Justin Jefferson being and I just don't I don't see any lack of production in the NFL. I think because you you talk about, you know, some of these players, well they didn't like Alabama faced some really crappy teams and Jerry Judy did, did really well against them. Should we take those numbers out of his his uh, evaluation and and then? But Justin Jefferson it? doesn't have that route running. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that ability to climb the ladder and go up and get catches. He doesn't have that ability to get separation. He hasn't shown that. But he's not. He's not going deep. He's the short to medium route runner. That's the thing. He needs to beat one guy, and he can easily do that. And if not, an offensive coordinator can easily get that done. It depends on the, on the guy. There are some great slot corners out there that he might struggle with, but most slot receivers do struggle with. I mean, you're talking about a player that showed that he had over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards. He worked great in an NFL-ready system with NFL-caliber players. Uh, to me, that just spells a, a great uh, player. And now we're talking about a wide receiver. I think... That's the most translatable uh, position that you can go from because it's the same thing over and over again. You run the same routes. You you stop on a dime. You yeah. You, you know he, his routes aren't curved. He he can easily plant his foot in the ground and change direction. A lot of if you watched his tape, a lot of his his uh, separation came from his cuts. The ability to get away from defenders was because he was able to basically stop on a dime, plant his foot in the ground, and then just completely change direction. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is something that we're really going to have to to see, and this isn't really something we're going to be able to tell for another, you know, three, two, three years until we actually have some tape and we're going to be able to go back and and truly see. But you know, you think Guter Gross Matos is going to be biggest draft bust? I think it's going to be Justin Jefferson. Now, on the flip side, who do you think is the best draft value in the first round? There's a lot of guys, you know, you can say Chase Young is the best player available, but he is not going to go first overall. Isaiah Simmons, an elite athlete who can play pretty much any defensive positions going somewhere in the top 10. You know, who, who do you think is the best draft value? It's tough, right? Because obviously they haven't made picks. I think the biggest value actually comes from the linebacker position. I think it's Patrick Queen, mm-hmm. um, another LSU star. You talk about a uh, defensive starter for three years. He was the captain of the defense, play caller, everything you look for in a middle linebacker. He was that guy. Um, Patrick Queen 
he's projected to go somewhere in the either late teens to early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people, and not that I agree with this, but some people have him out of the first round, which is absurd. That's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. I I just can't imagine like you look at some of the best defensive teams that you've seen over the last 20 years, Brian Urlacher in Chicago, Ray Lewis in Baltimore, Ryan Shazier in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you name the defense, they've had at least one middle linebacker that they were able to rely on con- consistently. The Patriots have Dante Hightower. Um, you know, Luke Keekley was that for the Panthers. I can keep going. There's always that one guy. I think Patrick Queen is that guy. Maybe not at the same skill level. He's going to have to develop a little more. But he has he has the strength and the leadership abilities to truly become like one of those staple defenders for for a franchise for the next 10 to 15 years yeah you know i think one of the players that a lot of people are overlooking because of his bad combine um somebody who excelled in college and you know went practice against you know one of the best tackles in the league uh, that's going to be in the league uh aj epinesa he he's a guy that he he's fallen off a lot of people's first round mock drafts he's He's a guy that kind of see in the you know top forty now, um, but is, who's who was originally you know a, a top you know between ten and fifth uh, t- between ten and twenty pick. This man was a sack machine at Iowa. He was bull rushing every tackle he faced. He was getting around him. He 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 his his five technique is absolutely crazy. He knows how to use his body and his positioning. He's six five two seventy five guy. I think he's going to have, you know, a consistent five-plus sacks a season, which, you know, doesn't really seem like it's that great. But to be able to do that at the NFL level is, you know, that that's what people get paid to do. That's that's what's highly regarded in this league as an edge rusher. But at, at such a big body, he, he's still able to move. I don't think that looking at a 40 time for him is truly gauging what his game speed is. This is why I hate the combine, right? And I've said this before. I hate the combine because you're you're taking measurables from people that are wearing fucking spandex, okay? You're taking, like, you know, who can run a straight line, no pads, no, no worry that somebody else is going to come from the side and try to hit them, right? Who can run the fastest? That's not football. That's, that's simply not football. That's just a, a race. That's a backyard race. Um, I, I understand that it's cool to, to take all the metrics and all the numbers and, and compile them and create a, uh, you know, a fantastic uh, player. And look, it helped Isaiah Simmons really skyrocket his value. He was a, a mid-teens pick before the combine and then now we're talking about him as possibly the third or fourth pick in the draft i mean it you know it can help people i understand that but that's why i'm skeptical of it because you took a player that you took his his game film and you evaluated him and you said this is probably where he should be right this is what he should he looks like he should uh, be drafted at and then all of a sudden he gets in his uh you know, his cutoff shirt and underwear runs a fast 40 and we're like, we're taking him at the top of the draft. That's it. Throw everything else out because <laughs> I don't care. He can run fast. Yeah. Well, that's fucking great. So can Deshaun Jackson. And guess what? He's been hurt a ton. Um, he's, he was a great receiver for a little bit, but like, you know, he's struggled. He's been on four different teams. So when you're talking about, you know, you know, how many reps they can do on the, on the, uh, was bench. it the 225 pound bench yep. or the the standing long jump or yeah, honestly I don't give a shit what offensive tackles can can uh, standing long jump yeah or I mean when like, do they ever do that I think it was Please. like Warren Warren Sapp who uh, had like less than 20 reps on the bench but was one of the 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 fiercest defensive tackles to ever play the game of football he <laughs> obliterated guards and centers all game long every game. And yeah. got to the quarterback. It, like those, ma- those don't matter. What you do on the field, what shows up on game tape, is, is truly what matters. And I think this is one instance where the game tape shows a lot more and is truer to what you're going to see at the NFL level than what you see at the combine. 
And the AJ Epinesa is a guy that's gonna get to the quarterback consistently. He's gonna be one of those guys that, you know, I know Chris Sims like to say f the play up. He he gets he creates a, a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which just makes him throw those errant passes and, and makes him go to a, a read that he doesn't want to or do something that he shouldn't be doing. AJ Epinesa is gonna be that guy and. If he falls to if if he falls to the back ends of the the first round or even early second round, that's a that's a steal. If you can get a guy that's consistently getting you sacks every season, creating pressure consistently, and you're getting that at the you know thirty forty fortieth pick, that that's crazy. And I think that you know will will pay dividends. That would be your best bang for your buck. Um, you know when we look back on this. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing goes with Patrick Queen, right? Like, the, again, the, the game tape shows he had sideline-to-sideline side speed. He wasn't the fastest 40-yard dash runner at the Combine, but he had the game speed to be able to keep up with any running back and any tight end that he was faced off with. He was able to hit holes with consistent pressure any time in the running game. He was always there to blow up the spot. He took on blocks and did it without you know, a question, right? He didn't always make the tackle, but sometimes it was more about, you know, blowing up the spot of the guard who was pulling or the the fullback who was being used to, to run ahead. I mean, if you can do that, if you can take somebody and have them eat up blocks and not complain that they're not getting their numbers, that, I mean, that to me is somebody that's more valuable than somebody that can run a, a four, three, um, at the linebacker position, because what, what are you going to do? Like, get run over by a, a tight end? What happens when Gronk is running at you? I don't think your speed really matters unless you're going to try to run away from him at that point. Yeah. I mean, you have, well, to I, be able to, you have to be able to do your job. Yeah, I think when it, when it comes to a guy like Patrick Queen, the biggest knock on him is his size. He's six feet, about 220 pounds, small for a linebacker. But then that that's kind of what new age linebackers are. If you look at Deion Jones... Um, you you look at other the other you know t- uh, linebackers coming to the league. They're speedy guys who play in a smaller form factor, but can make great plays on the ball consistently. That's why they're able because of their their smaller size and and lighter weight. They're able to go sideline sideline to sideline. They're able to have longer careers because they're they're not as robust. They're not as putting putting as much wear on their bodies. They're able to make athletic plays in the air. You know disrupting balls over the middle of the field and they're able to bite down on runs quickly because they they have that a bit because of their physical traits so you can't really put knock a player anymore for having a small size because if if they have the mental ability to to react and and put themselves in the right position size has no impact at that point and I think a guy like Patrick Queen is definitely going to be uh, a big linebacker in this league. He'll be a big name, just like Deion Jones is. Um, and he's a guy that, that has stayed con- um, healthy throughout his collegiate career at LSU. Uh, so you don't there, you don't have to worry about issues like that um, that we that we do see with Deion Jones, unfortunately. So you know if you can get a guy that plays like Deion Jones and is healthy more than Deion Jones. That that's awesome. That that's something that you really you can't ask more of in the at the NFL level. Not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot, and obviously we're it's we're the Tuesday before the draft. I want to remind everyone that we're going to be doing a draft companion. I think this is a good time to talk about that real quick. Um. You know, we don't have the rights to show the draft, so obviously we can't put that on the screen. But if you don't have cable and you can't see it, just watch us. We're, we're here to, to help you guys out as much as we can. Uh, we're going to announce the picks as they're made. We're going to provide analysis. We're going to give reactions. You're going to get raw reactions. It's not edited. It's going to be live. Uh, we're going to do at least Thursday and Friday. Uh, Saturday is 
to be determined. Uh, it's looking like we probably won't, but you can check either our Twitter. Um, I'll probably let you know on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Uh, but we're going to be here throughout at least the first three rounds of the NFL draft, uh, with everything that's going on with it being remote, it's going to provide a lot of, uh, fun and excitement. (laughs) Um, I would not miss out in all honesty. It's going to be a phenomenal time. Um, just sit back, relax. And, uh, you know, we want to see you guys in chat. We want to, we want to talk with you guys and, uh, we want to see what your reactions are and, uh, whether you, your team chose the guy you wanted. If you think that they should have chosen somebody else, um, let us know. We're going to be here. Uh, I think the, the first round is usually about three hours. So, strap in because we're going to be here the entire time so uh, yeah it'll be a great time yeah it'll be great it'll be a lot of fun uh and for anybody just listening on you know, apple Podcasts or spotify wherever you're listening to your podcasts uh we are on youtube at trash talk sports media so just uh you know look for us search for us and uh we'll be live ready to go around 7 30 right before the draft starts and then again at i believe four o'clock on friday for the start of rounds two and three so, uh, you know, we're excited and uh, we hope you're excited. So, you know, let's continue this. So, you know, I think that's enough, you know, pre-draft analysis and, you know, going back into the draft. Um, but one thing that's been happening over the last couple of weeks is many teams are, I can't say many teams, six teams have come out with new jersey designs or alterations they've made to their jerseys. And today we had the Chargers, which are arguably the best jerseys in the league, but I just want to get your take. Wait, what do you think? Who has the best jerseys in the league right now? Whew, that is... I mean, in my... In my are you talking in, about out of the six? No, at, well, just, no, no, no. I'm opening this up. general. I'm opening this up to all 32 teams, but I really don't think that it goes too much further than the Buccaneers and the Chargers because these last two jerseys, they're modern, they're sleek, they look great. I don't think there's really anybody else in the league that tops them. See, so I, I'm a sucker because I love the Baltimore Ravens jerseys, the all black on black with the with the purple numbers. That has been my favorite uh, style for since I can remember. Honestly, that was one of like the first jerseys I ever wanted was a Ray Lewis black jersey so I could wear with my black sweatpants. Um, just because like it, to me, like that is when you see that, that just instills fear in your enemy. Like you, you, they see you as just this demonic figure uh, standing across from them. And they're in their, their bright colored uniform, like, ah, it's all polished. And you're like, (laughs) I don't give a damn. So honestly, to me, I, I love Baltimore's uniforms. I I don't know if there's going to be someone right now that beats them. But obviously, the Chargers, the best new uniforms, um, they have so many variations that they can really just do whatever they wanted. Uh, their their helmets are, um, you know, easy to, uh, ma- you know, they're easily malleable and they can be manipulated to fit the the scheme of their their um, their jerseys. But I love, I, like, I love the powder blues, and I love 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 the all. Um, I, I guess it's not royal, but it's like a very dark blue. Um, on, on the graphic that we had tweeted out, it's the one all the way to the right, the last yeah. picture. That yeah. is because it's just like an outline of the of the bolt with with the same color, like all the way through. It, it's really it's really cool. It's a really cool design. Um, and I'm actually really surprised they they went with that because that's the color they removed from their their logo when they redesigned it a couple weeks ago. Right. They they removed that dark navy blue, and they and they stuck with their powder blue and their yellow, and so for them to bring that back in a different way is really cool. And uh, like you said, the way they are able to remove the emblems from their their uh, helmets and make them match the uh, the rest of the uniform is awesome because that, that just puts the whole thing together. It makes it a solid uniform, solid unit. And, and you add, I know a lot of chargers players wear um, visors and you, you put a chromed out visor on that, that that's going to look really, really good. Now all we need is Mr. Goodell. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Bring back custom face masks for helmets. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ray Lewis's face mask again, not not to bring it back to Ray Lewis, but that face mask, the most iconic uh, face mask that you could find. I think Calais Campbell was another one that had one of those. I mean, they were just absolutely absurd. And I, I think it, it brought so much, like you look at the NBA and they can wear whatever sneakers they want and they can wear all different sorts of like armbands and, you know, headbands and kind of stuff. The NFL, like they've become a little more lax over the last year or two they need to continue to allow as long as it meets safety guidelines right i'm all for safety first if it meets the safety guidelines there's no reason that you shouldn't allow you know uh the custom face mask because a lot of times it may be even more safer and you're getting a really cool design on top of it um, I think you would see a lot of players getting really creative with how things look. And I understand that you want to provide like a, you know, a, a stagnant look across the board. Every It's a, supposed to be a uniform. Everybody's in the same uniform. Um, but we're, we're in an era now where people are more freely expressive about the way they dress, the way they act, the way they play. And I think that having something like a custom face mask would be really awesome to add to some of these. Um, but just to quickly jump back to the Chargers, what I think of those powder blues, Nick, the, what I really think of is uh, LaDainian Tomlinson with his black visor mm-hmm. um, just running down the field in a powder blue jersey um, you know, that's what I think of LaDainian Tomlinson, one of my favorite running backs of, his, of, of my time, um, r- truly, truly showed like what those powder blues can really look like. It was very nice. Yeah, no, they, they were great. Um, now Sean Merriman too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The, they all rocked him. And then, I mean, even with, uh, you know, in the early two thousands, those, those dark Navy uniforms when Rodney Harrison was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wearing that with the, they had the white pants then. Now you add dark Navy pants to them. They, they just look even better. Yeah. Um, they're super nice. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think in my books, the, the Buccaneers and the Chargers are the t- two best jerseys. I love those pewter Buccaneers jerseys. Those are awesome. I think they're, they're fierce. They're, they're modern. They look great. You know, we've already seen them on the players. They, they look solid. And I, I, Having you know Tom Brady and them Gronk and them now, you know and Dominic and Sue, uh, Mike Evans, like all those studs are gonna be dressed in those t- those colors. And when they're not wearing that, no, that's an alternate. But you still have that that dark that deep red that that's their primary home jersey. That's gonna be great. And they they have the the pewter pants to go with it. You know I I love when teams are wearing multiple colors like just solid colors throughout the uniform not just you know white pants consistently you know that that kind of makes it bland and boring and and now they're they've kind of revitalized that and you know with the chargers they have three different pairs of pants they have white they have dark navy they have yellow uh oh and they have uh the powder blue so they have four pants with four different types of jerseys and the color with inside the bolts changes be you know per jersey they have an all white one with where the the bolt is white and yellow with the the it's really sleek i love the way the whole uniform is just put together and one thing i want to touch upon is the chargers did something that no other team has done they put the players numbers on the side of the helmet which is really interesting concept that's not something i'm you know that big on but i think alabama does that like you don't see that in the pros you know no no that but that's I, I'm not I'm still trying to figure out where they they who designed their jerseys. But there is a local street um, graffiti artist that is really known in the L.A. area. His name is uh, Jonas Never, and he uh, he was featured on the Chargers Twitter page earlier today. Um, who who put mock-ups, who uh, was making mock-ups of the jerseys. So I wonder if he's the one who put them together. Having that guy who's in tune with what's going on in L.A. and in that culture knows exactly what to bring to a jersey. Somebody who, who has artwork all around the city knows exactly what players are looking for because he... He, he understands, you know, the modern culture. He understands the L.A. culture. He's able to bring all those aspects together. And he's an artist. He's not just part of a design team, someone straight out of, a, you know, college who, 
who took a couple classes. You know, this is somebody who has been, been doing it their entire life and, and has that passion. So someone like that putting together your jerseys is the perfect person to do it. I'd rather someone do it. And I think that's why the Chargers, in my opinion, have the best jerseys in the league. I think that's why they're obliterating teams like the Browns and the Falcons and the Patriots and now the Rams, whenever they come out, who, who cares anymore? The Chargers have the best jerseys, in my opinion. Where those those all the they're all color rush navy blue, the powder blue, the dark navy blue. You know they have the all whites. They're whatever they wear, it's gonna be great. I I can't wait to see those on the field. I think that's gonna look just awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think some teams really miss the mark with their jerseys as well. Um, yeah. Looking at you, New England. Yeah, honestly, New England has right. terrible jerseys. And the Colts. Right there. And the Colts. That, yeah. the, well, Colts the Colts were Colts ugly. Just, that was a big old swing and a miss. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it, was, it was rough. Uh, but the, the Patriots also, like, you know, obviously we're both pass fans. Um, whew. That, that is not a jersey I plan on buying anytime soon. Um, maybe the Color Rush jersey, just because that's like the most you know that 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 makes sense but like the the helmet combination and the and the colors it, why stick with the silver helmet when you got rid of silver everywhere else <sighs> eh, <just> <laughs> <the craft>. eh, <laughs> please please redo it just be like haha it was a joke just kidding I- Hopefully with all the, you know, I know the backlash with the Rams didn't work. You know, they, they were pleading with the team to change it, and they said no that for the logo. There's a lot of backlash with the Patriots right now, and I hope Robert Kraft, you know, he, he he's usually good at listening to his fans, to the fans of the Patriots, and hopefully Listen. he'll take their advice and, and make a couple more tweaks for next year. Get rid of the gray helmet, go to a white helmet, Put the flying Elvis on there. We don't need Pat the Patriot necessarily. No, bring back Pat the Patriot. <laughs> bring him back. I, I like the flying Elvis. Um, but I, either way, you know, there, there's some small tweaks that can make the Patriots jersey a lot better. The Even the Colts jersey, you know, you're not going to really see too much of it. It's not really a jersey change, but that C, that C logo that they have on their secondary jerseys is With absolutely the state of invisible. Indiana in the middle of it. Yeah, it just, and, like, and the fact, well, the thing is, they they stole that design from somebody else who for from a high school team. A high school is team that has what they the, did. They have the C with the Indiana inside of it, and the guy was like, "Hey, you stole my design." And <laughs> okay, this message is for Jim Irsay. Uh, please don't steal. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm. You yeah. have the money. Pay somebody. You're a billionaire. Go pay somebody <laughs> to de- design a logo. Um, there's probably a bunch of fan artists that have given you free designs on Twitter that you can go sort through. Um, Robert Kraft, Jermer say you guys need to get together. Obviously, Dean Spanos knows what he's doing with the Chargers. It, it's time to get on a phone call with him and figure out you know how how to fix this because those are some of the worst jerseys I've seen in a long time. And it sucks to say, but it feels like uh, as a Pats fan, we're just getting bludgeoned left and right. It's like Brady's gone. Gronk just got traded. Oh, you got shit jerseys. Congratulations. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, can you buy me dinner first? Like, <laughs> it's just honestly, there's, It'll, yeah, there's so much well. that that I feel like we're missing out on it. And I don't know. I, yeah, I tough. mean, you know. We, we we just got great jerseys from the Chargers. Um, there there's a lot of hype over what's going on with uh, Tua and, and Justin Herbert and where they might go. So there's a lot to look forward to. We've only got two more days, thank God, until the draft starts. It's this <laughs> it's about time we finally have some sports back in our life. This isn't a boring horse competition that no one could care about. Um, so <laughs> you know. Let, let's all just, you know, suffer through the next 48 hours and we'll see you back here on Thursday night. We can't wait for it. We're extremely excited to host this this, uh, this draft companion, if you will. 
So we look forward to seeing you here on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to us, make sure you tune in. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it a lot more exciting than those uh, boring commentators, you know, just going through game tape and, you know, listing off some accolades. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot more fun over here. And, uh, it'll be a little more know. exciting than Mel Kuyper, too, just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to, you know, sit there in a suit and tie and... Uh, that's you know, not have how sports stern were face. meant. You know, <laughs> sports weren't meant to be sitting, make up a suit and a tie. And I, I think he's going to be great because he ran a great forty. <laughs> Back to exactly. you, Joe. That's exactly how we do it around at Trash Talk, and we're excited to do this for you guys. Um, yeah, we'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, all right, guys. Uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. We'll we'll see you then. Take care.